0: Welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you out there in listener land know everything there is to know about export compliance and federal financial regulations. <laughs> Wait a minute, I think that's the wrong. I think that's definitely my other don't know everything about that. Yeah, time uh, to switch gears.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, please let me get that. Let me extra- extract that from my brain. Right and out the window. Get into the sports thing, so it's much more pleasant than what I've been doing all day. <laughs> uh, so I am your host this week, Rebecca. I am your hockey person. I think I don't know what day is it. Uh, <laughs> March <laughs> Monday. <laughs> oh, no, it's March. Eternally March. Yes.
2: No, we are finally done with fucking February. I am so into it. It's know, I'm first.
0: But I'm not, but I'm not I'm... over last March. Yeah, spiritually, okay, we've
1: fair. been in March for twelve months now. Exactly. I
2: understand that, but the 28 days of February took, like, eight weeks, and I'm so done with <laughs> it. Like, I'm so happy to see the back of February.
0: Okay, fair, fair.
2: This is uh, so March anyway, Redux. We get to do it better this time.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's hope. <laughs> um, actually, I saw phrasing, like, of course, we've been doing this for almost a year, but mm-hmm. I saw phrasing the other day where somebody said, As we're entering year two, and I was like,
1: oh, Oh.
0: there's just something about it. It's not good. Anyway, today I am joined by my friends in California. In the yellow room, we have. I'm Nancy. I'm your
2: basketball enthusiast. And today I am moonlighting as somebody who pretends to know things about
0: cheer, which should be interesting. I think it'll be fun. I do too. And, (laughs) And the only color I can discern in Rachel's space is purple. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's a sweatshirt. Yeah, no, I oh, nice. rent, so my walls are not delightfully painted, uh, unlike my co-hosts. Yes, I am your uh, baseball guru, and I am moonlighting in volleyball for the moment. So that's been fun. Woohoo! I love it. I'm
0: excited. So why don't we just jump jump right into the volleyball? Rachel, you took a you took a glance at the athletes unlimited stuff happening that we talked about last
1: week. Yes, the season officially started this weekend. Um, and it will go for the next four weekends. It's total of five uh, weeks. Uh, those are the things that are seven days long. Yeah, my brain's spaced out on that, so that's the <laughs> that's kind of like episode time, it's going to be. Time is meaningless. Yep, sure is, especially in March. Okay, <laughs> so uh, one uh, corrections quarter I need to make. Um, softball season has already happened. Uh, I think we, oh. uh, yeah, last week we were, or last time we recorded, we were, were talking about it as though it were not until next. But yeah, volleyball, was no, volleyball is actually the of... second sport in the list. Yeah. Huh. All I right. know. And lacrosse will be up after this. Um. So that's a little sad that I missed that. But um, it sounds like they're going to, they're planning on doing this once a year, like have this short abbreviated season, Um. Hmm. though, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know um, if their plans had to, uh, I'm sure did, had to change last minute because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on that note, they're actually doing a, a fairly good job, it looks like, of, you know, actually creating a bubble. Um, everyone's wearing a mask during play, which I thought I noticed was pretty that. Uh, oh, wow. interesting. that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Now, not everyone covers their nose, which makes me a little crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But... That's another thing altogether. (laughs) Um, But they are... So all players and staff, it sounds like, are uh, limited to the uh, arena and the hotel. And they are not allowed to go in any other building uh, until the completion of the season. Nice. So, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, that'll work out as planned and won't uh, have any knock on wood, any uh, need for delay or anything like that. Okay, so we talked... Last time, about the uh, unique uh, individual point scoring system, that it's not a team based mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, though they talk about, um, of course, a lot of the uh, commentary is about this point system, uh, which I understand because, you know, they're trying to explain it to people to get viewers to understand how it works. Um, and they talked about about 65% of an individual's point score comes from team scores. So um, does the team win the individual sets? Do they win the match? Um, those are like 40 and 80 point blocks. So they're huge uh, in terms okay. of the the scoring. Um, favorite players so far. Uh, I liked, uh, I ended up rooting for uh, team Sabeldin. Uh Liana Sebelden was the captain and the, the teams are of course named by the captain who picks them. Um, at the beginning of every week, uh,
2: so named by
0: like by the
1: captain oh, or for for the, the captain? captain, I should say. Okay, <laughs>
2: yes. I was gonna say because if that's the best thing yeah. she could come up with,
1: yeah. No, like named by the captain would be fun. Yeah, I know, you have like Team Sebelden and a Team Laser Sharks or something.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Some missed opportunity. Yeah, here.
1: no. So they're named by the the last name of the captain, and also they have a color. Um, I wonder if they're going to keep the same colors every week. I don't know if everybody, because every player has their own number. Like they keep their mm-hmm. number throughout. Um, oh, so if that's they helpful. have like the number in four different colors, I don't know. We'll see. But we had hmm. uh, Team Sabeldin in purple, Team Cruz in gold, Team oh, Bugger everything. No, that's not someone's last name. That's an interesting <laughs> yeah. team name. Team Clark in blue, <laughs> and Team King in orange. Um, though the orange and the gold read very similarly on TV, yeah,
2: that seems like a questionable choice too.
1: Yeah, You needed a green and yeah,
2: something, something
0: very striking. Yeah, but then blue and green are usually very similar.
2: Yeah, I but then the, you get like a royal blue and a lime green, you and can this was like a powder, powder blue. blue.
1: <laughs> so if you did a powder oh, blue and yeah. like a Kelly green, that would be fine. Yeah, I am not the color consultant for the league. More's the pity. Though why not? Yeah, I know. Uh, but the purple. you of missed opportunities. The purple was real nice, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up rooting for Team Sibeldon uh, because of that. Um, mm-hmm. So favorite players who stood out to me so far: uh, Deja McClendon, who is on Team Sibeldon. Um, she uh, has a shaved head and just looks nice. like completely and utterly badass. Um, and they That's talked nice. about it a little bit about it later that she's, I guess, struggled with alopecia and recently decided to mm-hmm. just shave it all off. And of course it looks amazing on her. Mm-hmm. And, um, her. yes. Nice. And, uh, she, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't checked the leaderboards for where everything fell. There's still one more day. The weekends are considered going Saturday through Monday. So two mm-hmm. games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, two games on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. One kind of question. Yeah. How do we get
0: our own weekends? to include monday oh boy <laughs> um i mean because if today was still a weekend that would be just ideal there's a uh-huh, a real agreed.
1: easy way and a real difficult way um <laughs> i haven't figured out the difficult way and the easy way is probably going to get you fired so <laughs> damn it. yeah all right i'll i'll keep working on that but, all right uh, thank you yeah keep In us all your posted yeah, I'm not sure why they did that—a Saturday through Monday instead of a Friday through Sunday. But, well, I mean, there, are, uh,
0: uh, well, at least in hockey, there are definitely more games on Fridays than there are on Mondays. Hmm. So it could ah. have been about um reducing competition with other
1: sports. Could be that would make sense. Could be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then also I liked on uh Team Clark uh Ebony uh Nwanabu. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh she has a star Wars obsession and they talked about her dog named Kylo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is he a black lab?
1: Uh, he should be. I don't remember if they said, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so they talked about a lot. Every player picks a charity, um, that they, uh, have, uh, it kind of pops up next to their name, you know, when the, the commentators hmm. talk about them. And at the end of this season, um, I'm not sure if it was the sponsor or the league itself is going to match 15 per- 50% of every player's bonus money. Like they get a certain amount of bonus money based on the points. Uh, we'll match hmm. that and go to the charity.
0: Um, hmm. wow. So that's pretty
1: neat. So the charities are not only getting money, but they're getting a little bit of air time too, which I think is super that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I'm every i think it's every day not every weekend um has a theme because i think this was primarily just yesterday uh, yesterday's was black history month um mm-hmm. and they actually did a pretty good job of it they talked a lot about um so the the um arena in dallas is near a an african american history museum and i guess oh, cool. um i don't know if it was every player or all the players who wanted to um did a visit to the um the museum um, socially distance and everything, but they had some of the players talk about what that was like, what, you know, they kind of found mm-hmm. um, well, interesting about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they um, interviewed uh, some of the, the black players in the league about what it was like, because a lot of them were the only black player on their high school or um, Makes less sense, so college, yeah. but, you know, even college team um, and how to get mm-hmm. um, more black women involved in bo- volleyball. Um, talked about a charity called the Starlings, or an organization that um, is uh, helping um, underprivileged and specifically Black and women of color um, in uh, middle and high school find ways to play. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Starlings it really is yes. All right, so um, these are just you know obviously observations made from a a the first uh, two days of play. Um, So, so far, what I like about this particular system, um, because of the point system, every action and every point counts. Um, So, you know, they always play all three sets uh, to 25, even if one team is behind uh, by two sets, you know, haven't won yet. The one team wins the first two sets. It is still possible for a team to win only one set and win the whole match because it's done on... Aggregate points. points. Yes. It's right. so
2: weird to me, but okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I know it'll, I haven't I, seen. I like it's it.
2: completely different than the like standard volleyball.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of like it though. Um, I don't dislike it. It's just <laughs>
2: weird. It's like, I just struggle with the concept, I guess.
1: It's different. Um, it is different. And I haven't yet seen a, a, a situation where that's in danger of happening toward the end of the third match. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens, you know, kind of what the strategy is going to be like, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure trying to to slow down play and and score more points, um, how that will will come off. But, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way to the very end, not every just every point, but also every action counts, because each player is getting um, points for individual things like serves, like kills, like digs. So everybody has an incentive to keep playing hard until the very end of the game, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And has made for some pretty exciting end of game uh, play and rallies. So I like that. Uh, I like that players keep their numbers. I've already mentioned that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really smart, given some of the stuff we were talking about last week about, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you how do you follow a player? How do you pick a team? Right. Yeah. So it makes sense that since there are no since the teams are so fluid, you'd have to really focus on the athlete. Yes.
1: Um. Uh, and the the repicking of the teams means that teams should theoretically remain fairly even. So you have less of a mm-hmm. chance of a lopsided match, um, mm-hmm. which in volleyball is even, I think, less interesting than in other sports, because, you know, if you're not getting those nice long volleys uh, from time yeah. to time, that's at convenient. least it
2: goes fast, though.
1: Yes, that's true. Um, yeah. If one team's dominant,
0: <laughs> it's just it's over. A pretty,
1: it's a pretty quick game. It, it
0: does end pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally what one of the commentators said, you can't be too mean across the net because that might be your teammate in forty eight hours.
2: Oh, oh that's an interesting point.
1: Yeah. So it it was a uh play I think that involved uh Deja McClendon, actually, that someone spiked it right down on her and it um this happens sometimes in volleyball, instead of like bouncing cleanly off her arm, it like hit her shoulder and like rolled up. Which mm-hmm. of course you can't mm-hmm. do in volleyball, but like both both players were laughing about it. So it was it was kinda mm-hmm. neat to see. You know? Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, There are some things I I don't like just so far about this system. And this could change as the season goes on. The the constant reporting on individual points during the game. um,
2: Yeah, that seems like that would be distracting. Yeah, and
1: it was. And I don't know if that's, again, just because the commentators are really trying to hammer home for viewers, okay, this is what's going on, Mm -hmm. so that they understand it. And that might taper off Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, But it Mm -hmm. was a little bit distracting. And like okay, great. She just got eight points. Like, could you tell me a little bit more about what happened instead of like this, the point system now? Right. 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 Um, there's also some pretty visible team disjointedness. Um, mm. Especially I noticed the very first match with team King um, because the players don't know each other. They might ne- not have right. played together. Um, right. Part of the reason that uh, team Sebeldon was so much fun to watch because apparently, a lot of those players were um, on the women's national team. Uh, So they had played together before. So they do have that chemistry and experience. And it it didn't make for a completely dominant team. You know, it wasn't that Team Sebelden was Mm -hmm. just plowing down everybody. Um, And uh, Team Clark did, uh, what was it, Team King? Yeah, first of all, they did end up getting it together. And you could see them starting to play better as a team, communicate better. But that's a a really interesting, especially in volleyball, when um, everything goes so quickly and you really have to be able to trust that the person's going to be where you Mm -hmm. think they're going to be and that Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to read Mm -hmm. what's happening. So we'll see. That seems important. We'll see how that goes from week to week. If it's, you know, like the first day of the weekend is everybody, you know, trying to get their crap together and then it improves over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. It's, it's interesting. And it's, uh, it's definitely a different, different way of thinking about sports. And I was trying to explain it to uh, my parents on our weekly zoom call yesterday and, you know, just trying to like, even the lingo. Cause my dad's like, Oh, do they have a team in our area? And I'm like, well, they don't Let even really up. have no. teams. Yeah. So no. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's, it's different. And I'll see as, as this goes on, um, how this goes and how I like it, and I yeah. encourage anybody out there who is interested to watch because it's. I mean, I I feel like volleyball is a pretty fun one to watch, even if you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell yeah, the impressive plays from the um you know the the run of the mill plays. So yeah, it's right, a good, yeah. It's a good
2: save is a good save. Well,
1: and the the athleticism in volleyball
0: it always surprises me. Oh yeah, it always surprise. Like I I played it for a couple years in high school and i'm still to this day shocked sometimes mm-hmm. by yeah. <laughs> the by the hits and the jumps and the, it's just mm-hmm. the athleticism in that sport is incredible. Yeah,
1: i've played just enough to know just how difficult yeah. it is to run yes. and jump and hit the ball like have your hand be at the same place at yes. the ball at the right time it's uh it's not easy and in
0: the right direction. Yeah. Cuz
1: if your hand is just slightly in the wrong direction, yeah, it just you're goes screwed. off crazy. Yeah, and um, I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about. We're going to do our, our own uh, volleyball primer segment at some point, but it was interesting mm-hmm. that the one of the commentators was talking about how um, volleyball and basketball are pulling from the same pool of athletes, and oh. um, which I hadn't That's really true, thought about it? that. But a lot yeah. of the skills no, are very similar, um, mm-hmm. and that you know if I guess because right now, of course, uh, women's basketball, women's professional basketball has infinitely better infrastructure in the u.s Mm. um so Mm -hmm. a lot of uh you know volleyball programs are kind of frustrated that they're losing a lot of really good players to basketball Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: interesting yeah interesting
0: yeah i definitely want to watch
1: more or watch some i didn't watch any
0: sorry i'm just gonna keep taking talking (laughs) about you stop (laughs) rebecca
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's fine. It's what I've been doing in my Zoom meetings all morning, so like <laughs> to be expected. All I was going to say was a useless thing about how, I always find it interesting how like people who are athletic in one area often tend to be athletic in another area, and there is something to, like, you know, if you have a certain amount of hand-eye coordination and stamina, like, you probably be okay in a lot of sports, but you think mm-hmm. of, like, all the professional sports players who are, like, Well, I got some football scholarships and I got some hockey scholarships or like I could have gone out for baseball or basketball, Mm -hmm. but I liked Mm -hmm. basketball a little better. And it it must be the same thing with volleyball and basketball, too. And I just had never put that together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the only other frustrating thing about the league is like the games aren't always on the same channel. They're not always at the same time. There seems to be like an afternoon or well, I guess for Pacific time. So like Pacific. Did I say Pacific? You did. That okay. was kind of awesome. Cute. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we're trying oh recording my God, this. It's time. earlier on a Monday, <laughs> and that's uh, pretty obvious, I think. Um, but we're yeah, all here it's good. So one at like, like two to three Pacific, uh, five to six Eastern, and then a later six or nine game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and this is just Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yes, correct. Okay, and. Um, all but eight of the games are on cable. Uh, F- FS1, FS2, CSNBC, CS, CBS, SN.
0: <laughs> Alphabet soup. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Uh, so, okay. yeah, you got to look for it. And it's um, it, the way it lists, at least on YouTube TV, is like team last name versus team last name. So it's not super easy to, to see what it is mm-hmm. um so you'll, well, you'll especially to... if those last if those captains are changing every yes. week. yes <laughs> yes um so check auprosports.org for the schedule and where you can find the games
2: that would be good because i would like to uh to see some but i i had forgotten to look them up so i need to make myself a note this week to look up the schedule and what channels it'll be on and yeah, yeah. make a plan mm-hmm.
0: When you when you figure that out, you let me know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I'll put it on my list. It'll be good.
0: Well, thank you, Rachel, for that. Sure. Um, I, I appreciate the the update since we'd only kind of discovered it a week or so ago. Yeah, it's good to hear about it. I'm
1: glad we caught it. You know, it wasn't like the last yeah. week of volleyball season. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and I'm with Nancy. I definitely want to catch up on some of those. I almost said episodes. <laughs> some of those games. Um, because volley, volleyball really is fun to watch. It is, yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, so Nancy, you you watched some thing about sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> Tell I watched us the th- about the thing that you watched.
2: I watched a few things about sports ball. So, uh, so for a little while, I had been meaning to watch the Last Dance, which is a, a documentary esque thing on Netflix about the Chicago Bulls final championship season, uh, Michael Jordan's final season before his second, but not final, retirement. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that season is one that I watched, that one and the one before it, I mean, to a certain, for a certain value of watched. um, I watched the championships. Because they were going up against the Utah Jazz, who were my team at the time. Um, yes. What year was this? This was 1998.
0: Okay, so so it is possible that I actually remember that. <laughs> it is. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We were all alive. We were all teenagers. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, I watched them with my dad and my brother because uh, my my dad lived and still lives in utah and i would be there in the summer and we would watch you know the jazz when they made it to the championships on on the tv and they were playing the bulls which was my brother's favorite team at the time because they were red and <laughs> he was about 98 he would have been about eight he would have been eight no six he would have been six i guess uh, and red was his favorite color hey we've established so,
1: that uh it's entirely useful that's uh, valid criteria for picking your favorite team. Absolutely,
2: Yeah, so he went for the Bulls, I went for the Jazz. Uh, And it was a good time. Uh, And The Last Dance is actually really interesting. I had thought it was going to be basically all about that season. Um, And that season is the focal point of it, but it actually traces the entire trajectory of Michael Jordan's career, which is actually interesting because whether or not you pay close attention to sports if you were alive and conscious in the 90s you are aware that michael jordan had a pop culture impact <laughs> yep like significant like even i was aware and i was completely out of the pop culture loop well, so yeah
0: and i i didn't watch basketball that i barely watch basketball now and right. everyone knew michael jordan yes
2: right. yeah it was yeah. just a thing he was a cultural icon um so that was actually really interesting um it also has a good chunk of Good old Uncle Steve in it, which is delightful. <laughs> he is always fun to have interviewed, um, and it interviews everybody else too. So you get a lot of Dennis Rodman stories, which
0: is oh, entertaining. Wow. <laughs> you get
2: you get Scotty Tipping. Speaking Tiffin. of people
0: who had cultural impact, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. uh huh,
2: yeah. You get you know all, all of these various players that, that Michael Jordan and the Bulls either played with or played against, or you know were impactful in some way. They talked to Michael Jordan's mom you know, like, the, it's a, as, as sports documentaries slash biopics go, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, I can't remember if it's eight or 10 episodes, so it's not that long. Each one's an hour. You can, you know, you can get through it a couple of weeks or Netflix. a week or a weekend, depending on your TV <laughs> watching habits. Um, so I really recommend it. I found it It was a nice little trip down memory lane for me. But even if you don't have those memories, it's still, I think, engaging and interesting and entertaining.
1: What platform is it on? Netflix. pretty sure
2: it's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I watched a couple episodes in the middle with Nancy, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I need to go back and watch the beginning and the end. But uh, I got Mm -hmm. to see the one where uh, Michael Jordan plays baseball. So that was pretty, pretty interesting. (laughs) That's right. That was a weird time. It It was a weird time.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We got to we got to figure out what our next or our first pod watch is for. Mm, Yeah. um, It's on the spreadsheet. I
2: think you I think both of you should go watch this. I would honestly be really interested to hear what you guys thought of it. Having not had the sort of like watching the championships experience that I did. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to know what you guys
1: thought of it. I do know um, some of the players they interviewed because that's when, you know, because my dad was the doctor for the magic at the time. So I oh, know, yeah. you know, I recognize Horace Grant and I know mm-hmm. some of the name, the big mm-hmm. names at least. So that mm-hmm. was pretty neat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's cool. Has your dad watched it? Uh, not yet. I recommended it to him, but I don't think okay. he's watched it yet.
2: Okay. Yeah, you should watch that. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was one thing that I watched. Um, the other thing is that... Uh, Oh, Matilda. Um, <laughs> Hi, Matilda. <laughs> she's upstairs.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. She's got That's some lungs amazing. on her.
2: She does. A little opera singer, kitty cat. Um, so I have a love for reality TV, but not the, like, sort of, you know, put a bunch of people in a house or put a bunch of people on an island. Like, I don't care about that so much. Um, I like reality TV about people doing stuff. So whether it's like, you know, cooking, I'm not super into cooking shows, but like the creative process of some kind, or uh, sports reality shows, super into it. So there was one I had watched, like, if there's dance reality shows, if there's sports reality shows, like, I'm into it. Uh, There was one I had watched uh, sometime over the summer, maybe called Cheer Squad. That's about a cheerleading team in Canada, which was fun. But then just recently, um, just this past week, I watched one called Cheer that I think just came out pretty recently on Netflix. And the first thing is that it's really well done. Mm -hmm. Like it is it's more a documentary than a reality show, really. Um, And it is beautifully shot. The music direction is terrific. The yeah, Um, like it's just really well-produced, well-directed. Um, and it's all about this, uh, junior college cheerleading team in tiny little town in Texas. Um, I say tiny, it's bigger than the town I grew up in.
0: Um, (laughs) but it's not saying much. No, it's really (laughs) not.
2: Um, and it traces, you know, like it, it, interviews the coach it's a the national championship junior college team um and have been they've won many many championships over the last like couple decades uh under this coach monica and so it does a lot of talking to her and does a lot of talking to individuals on the team and you know traces a season i think it's the 2018 to 2019 season um And it's really interesting. So, I wanted, so having watched both of those things, I wanted to dig in a little more into cheerleading for a number of reasons. Um, The first being that it is one of those things that is kind of sort of a sport, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we've talked a little bit on here before about like our thoughts on what constitutes a sport or what does not constitute a sport and how that does or does not line up with. Um, the Olympics. you know, yeah, the Olympics and, and, and other, you know, regulating bodies, determinations of whether things are, or are not sports. So I just want to ask you guys before I go any further, do you consider cheerleading a sport?
0: Well, I would say the cheerleading that I saw at like my high school football games, that wasn't really a sport. That's, that's like, you're, you're doing exactly what the word says. You're yes. leading a cheer. To like get people to yell for the team but when i've watched cheer competitions that is a sport that is athletic that is gymnastics and dancing and rhythm and all of that kind of stuff and i suspect that if you go to a school that has a really really strong football program they might also have a really really strong cheerleading program where where my analogy with my high school sports team would not work but that's that's for me. That's that's like the level of
1: difference. Yeah, Rachel? I would say I was thinking something similar, um, you know, the the kind of the high school level that you're talking about. And, of course, not all high schools. Some have very high powered right. programs. Um, but is it definitely a skill, uh, not something that everybody can do, but not necessarily a sport. Um, but, yeah, the competitions are a sport in the same way that gymnastics is a sport where it's, it, you know, it is in a in a sense a performance but it's also an extremely athletic performance.
2: Yeah, that's that's basically always been my opinion. And what we what you're touching on there is a thing that um, that I do want to talk further about, which is that there are different kinds of cheer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked up the history of this because uh, growing up where I did, I I was exposed to cheerleading because I had a small school and like you were exposed to everything because that was you know. Um, but I also had a friend who was a cheerleader, who was my little, you know, my little friend from like, I don't know, fifth grade on. Um, and she was an extremely talented gymnast, um, but wanted to be a cheerleader and was a cheerleader most years. I think there was one year where, where she was not, um, but was primarily a cheerleader and in fact ended up uh, dropping gymnastics to focus on cheerleading because given the values uh, where I grew up, one of those was more rewarded than the other um and certainly i would have and, and i think being exposed to her and her abilities made me more open-minded about cheerleading being athletic than i might otherwise have been um because of course It's very easy in our culture, and there's a history in our culture of dismissing it as, you know, a very sort of trivial girly thing, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. You put on the short skirts, you tease your hair, and you go jump around.
1: And it's entirely in service of a male sport. Boys sports,
2: exactly. Right, right. So it's very easy to dismiss, I think, especially um, if you are not familiar with it. So I, I went and looked it up, and uh, you will probably not at all be surprised to learn that this is yet another one of those areas where something started out as male-only, and then became female-only, and as it did that, it was simultaneously devalued and hyper-restricted, because patriarchy.
0: That sounds so unfamiliar, Nancy. <laughs> I don't think we've seen that anywhere just, else in our I culture know, or it's history. completely unique. I can't even begin to tell you how strange this is the Um, the title of this episode is going to be sarcasm font (laughs) (laughs) i'm into it i'm into it so uh
2: it originated in america it has primarily been an american endeavor it's only recently spread more widely and gotten international following and recognition and really in fact only in the last like 15 to 25 years that it's really become organized and competitive uh on a wide and unified scale before that there was certainly like state and regional competition stuff, but the last 15 to 25 years, it has really advanced and become much more coherent, uh, in competition terms, uh, just across the various kinds of cheer. Uh, so it has, um, now gained traction in Australia, Canada, China, Colombia, Finland, France, Germany, Japan, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and the U.K. and, in fact, is uh, under consideration for Olympic status, which I thought was really cool.
1: That's funny, because I, I do think of it as something American, and just like it is for some reason, yeah. the idea of, of like of British people cheerleading <laughs> is immediately comical, <laughs> it's hysterical, to me, right?
2: But right? they do. There, there are no, now is. British cheerleaders. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, because
0: also the perception that we have uh, the the perception that we have of the British populace is this very prim and proper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to share too much. We're going to be very reserved and not like, okay, let's go, team. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but so, I mean, to your point, Nancy, about. About like consideration for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have things like rhythmic gymnastics in the mm-hmm. Olympics, and believe me, I am not knocking rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> no. I unironically thoroughly enjoy watching rhythmic mm-hmm. gymnastics.
1: Mm-hmm. But it
0: seems to me that cheer is about the like same, like a group version
1: of yeah.
0: rhythmic gymnastics,
2: right? So that was one of the things that I found really interesting watching this. I guess it's a documentary really is what it is more than reality TV, um, is identifying the different pieces of it. So they, so competitive cheer at the collegiate level, you do a routine that's two and a half minutes long and it includes elements like tumbling, right? Which is just straight gymnastics, backflips and roundoffs and so on and so forth, different, different tumbling passes, either done synchronized or with multiple individuals going at the same time. Um, there's also a certain amount of dance components, like basic choreography that have to be done, which is similar to rhythmic gymnastics. Um, and then there's stunting, right, which is sort of the unique piece uh, for ch- competitive cheer, because uh, it's related to uh, circus arts, which like certainly, you know, when I go to acro yoga, there's there's what I do is called uh L-base yoga or partner yoga. um, But there's also what's called standing acro, which is standing acrobatics. And that's the sort of thing where you get, you know, somebody holding up another person where, you know, hand to hand, right? The top person Mm -hmm. inverted and the bottom person holding them up, right? That's standing acrobatics. And you get a lot of that in cheer, but then you also get these unique stunts um, that are like where they, you know, have a group tossing someone and they're doing flips in the air, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So... It originally was a male sport. It arose sometime in the 1880s to 1890s. There are a couple different dates there, depending on when you want to pin it to... Along with the rise of collegiate male sports, which stands to reason, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Women were first allowed to participate in 1923 in Minnesota, but it was not widely accepted until the 40s, when guess what? All All men men went to war. Exactly right. (laughs) Uh... After they all came back, female participation continued to grow until by the 70s, it was nearly entirely female. Um, And that's when you get into some of the sort of like uh, cultural baggage, (laughs) let's say, that cheerleading carries. And they talk about this in both the shows that I watch, both the cheer squad and this cheer documentary so cheer squad is about what's called a club cheer team so they don't they're not attached to any school they just it's like club gymnastics right like you just form a group and you go in and compete um and they talk in that show a lot about how like you know oh people think we you know we're just there to cheer on the boys but we don't do Mm -hmm. that at all this Mm -hmm. is you know this activity that we do that's just us
0: right it's its Um, own standalone event
1: yeah
2: exactly uh in cheer they are at a college so they do still you know cheer at all the sports games and they talk about how they are considered you know to be these representatives on campus they are meant to be like they have grade point average requirements they have you know a sort of honor code thing about what you know what you can and cannot do like other student athletes right like other student athletes but with the additional cultural baggage of like cheerleaders have been considered to be wholesome
1: yeah i was gonna say is there like a morals clause in there
2: i don't know if there is or not um they didn't really get into it but it is all part of that same
1: thing right
2: like like cheerleading i think very much does have this connotation at least in america i don't know if it has it internationally of being you know the most popular girls who are all american which often means white, right? Yes, And blonde. And blonde and very thin and very pretty and very much sort of the top of the social pecking order, right? And that can either be hated or rewarded depending on where you are in that particular (laughs) social pecking order, right? Um, So neither show gets into that too much, um, but it's an aspect I think that you can't overlook. So there's different kinds of cheerleading. There's club cheer, which is, you know, just an extracurricular basically. Uh, there's school cheerleading, which is often competitive, especially as you get into the higher levels, right? Like high school and college. Um, and then there's uh, recreational cheerleading, which is sort of like pep club, pep rally, you know, that's much more the sort of like rah, rah, go team. We're here to lead the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to doing the stunts as much. Um, So you see more of that with, like, little kids um, when you're getting into middle school, that sort of thing. It can still be associated with a school, but it's not as intense yet. Um, And then professional cheerleading, which is, you know, where you get, like, the Dallas Cowboys, right? Interestingly, that's kind of a different sort of thing. Um, It is much more intermingled with the sort of dance teams they don't do stunts as far as I know it's Mm -hmm. much more uh crowd pleasing and about being uh I hate to use the word decorative um because that sounds pejorative in a way that I don't mean it to be
1: attractive to look at
2: well no that's not even what I'm going for though it's a part of the experience like they're meant to add to the overall experience rather than to be a spectacle in of themselves if that makes sense mm-hmm. as opposed um, to like competition, right? right where you go, right. and you are like you know. part of a whole. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nancy, do you know that there is a um, reality show about the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders?
2: I do, but I haven't been able to watch it cause okay. I can't find <laughs> the, oh.
1: where it's
0: airing. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Cause I think it's on something else. I don't have a subscription. Yeah. To. My mom but, yeah. and
1: sister watch it. I can ask what channel it is. See if we get it on yeah, YouTube TV. I, <laughs> I would watch it
2: for sure. Um, so uh, so the competitive cheerleading we talked about involves a lot of stunts, right? Um, and that is the main argument, as far as I can tell, for calling it a sport. Um, this is primarily for club and collegiate cheer is where these stunts really become a big deal. Um, particularly in collegiate cheer and in some club cheer, you start getting men in again uh, as bases and tumblers. And the emphasis switches from being crowd rallying to being tumbling and stunting. Mm-hmm. Um, in the U S the designation of a quote unquote sport is important, of course, because of title nine. Yeah. Uh, and according to title nine, it is not, it both sideline and competitive cheerleading may not be considered athletic programs for the purposes of title nine. Meanwhile, supporters consider it a sport, um, citing the heavy use of athletic talent, but critics see it as a, quote, physical activity because a sport implies competition among all squads and not all squads compete. However, an interesting piece of this is that there have been localized lawsuits, um, one in 2009 in Wisconsin that involved an accidental injury, And the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that cheerleading is a full contact sport in Wisconsin, and thus participants uh, cannot be sued for accidental injury. Uh, In contrast, though, in 2010 in Texas, I think, a lawsuit involving whether college cheerleading qualified as a sport for purposes of Title IX, a federal court citing a current lack of program development and organization ruled that it is not a sport of any kind at all.
0: Wait a minute. Yeah, that seems pretty so t- because they don't Yeah, because they don't get support, they're not considered a sport. Because there's not unified
2: support. There's not. Um, this was in 2010, so, which is still early on in the
0: development of. But if we zone. classified it as a sport, mm-hmm. it might get unified support. Mm-hmm. I hate everything.
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, cheerleading. Um, here, if you're still angry, I'm going to feed that a little bit. <laughs> oh, great, boy.
0: Great, 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 great,
2: great. Uh, cheerleading carries the highest rate of catastrophic injuries to girl athletes in sports uh, in the United let's, States. Let's
0: call them women
2: athletes. Well, we're talking about specifically. underage. Yeah, oh,
0: specifically. Yeah. Specifically teenagers. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Got it. No, you're
2: fine. You're fine. Carry on. It, it was a valid objection. Uh, <laughs> of the United States 2.9 million female high school athletes only 3% are cheerleaders but the cheerleading accounts for
0: 65% holy of all crap. catastrophic injuries holy shit uh huh wait a minute now go back to the Wisconsin thing mhm they're saying that it
2: is it's considered a, a sport is a full a contact sport.
0: sport yeah and but but there was a therefore there
2: therefore like, you cannot sue individuals so like, presumably because you've signed up for a full contact sport. Yeah. So then you can't sue if you get injured.
1: So like a football player that, who gets injured can't sue uh, the right. person on the other team who tackled them right. Exactly, because they're playing a full contact sport.
2: Right. So I'm assuming, and I have not looked at this case, but it was probably a flyer who got dropped. So then she can't sue whoever dropped her because it is right. a full contact sport.
0: Right. Does that mean she can't sue anyone?
2: I don't know if it means that she can't sue the program,
0: right, but she right. can't sue
2: the individual.
0: Okay. Yeah. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I am. We're using money to define what a sport is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's capitalism mm-hmm. defines whether this is a sport or not. Yep. Yep. On a state-by-state
2: <laughs> basis, no less. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, in college... Uh, 67% of female athlete injuries are due to cheerleading mishaps.
0: Jesus.
2: Between 1982 and 2007 there were 103 fatal disabling or serious injuries recorded among female high school athletes with the vast majority of those 67 of 103 occurring in cheerleading. Wow. Um. So I do want to throw out there that um, as far as I can think and maybe I'm forgetting about something it would be the only girls or women's full contact. I was sport.
1: wondering about that because it, it's basketball not considered.
2: I don't think so. So unless you have a girls' rugby team, yeah,
1: like lacrosse not, maybe.
2: I don't know. Does lacrosse mm. count as full contact? I have no idea. I, I genuinely I don't, know. don't know either. I, I don't know. Jack shit about lacrosse. So, so the most common cheerleading related injury is concussion, which stands to reason. Uh, Other related injuries include sprained ankles, sprained wrists, back injuries, head injuries, broken arms, elbow injuries, knee injuries, broken noses, and broken collarbones. Also things like whiplash, broken vertebra, and death. Um, I mean, it's comparable to gymnastics, right? Like, that's what you're getting at. You get all of these same sort of injuries in gymnastics, too. Um, And in acrobatics as well, though I would suspect that acrobatics probably has a better reputation if for no other reason than that you are less frequently performing over hard surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. cause I know like for club cheer and stuff, you know, they're basically always practicing indoors on mats, which is not going to prevent you from snapping a bone if, they, if you get thrown and dropped, but is going to make it less terrible than if you get dropped on, you know, the cement next to the football field. Right. Yeah. Like, um, in 2016, the IOC voted to grant provisional Olympic status to the sport of cheerleading and to give $25,000 per year in funds for the International Cheer Union. Oh, that's uh, cheer- great. Yeah, so cheerleading is now in a waiting period. Uh, it might be officially recognized by the IOC as an Olympic sport uh, as early as 2024 or possibly 2028.
1: Hmm.
2: It would be okay. a summer Olympic sport. So,
1: so when we have Olympics we again... It, uh, Right,
2: right, right. Wow.
1: So that was all,
2: I mean, I found it like there were lots of pieces of it that I kind of sort of knew already, but really actually going and reading about like the differences between the different types of cheer was interesting yeah. in yeah. particular. Um, and, and watching the documentary and seeing everything get built up was really interesting to me too. And, and this may be more a function of who I am than, you know, than some people but but the progression of of things from from starting with trying a stunt a certain way to like getting to where it works to you know watching the thing actually succeed was fascinating yeah Mm -hmm. so so i really recommend the documentary cheer squad is fun but it is much more the sort of reality tv type genre
0: yeah i um so i was looking it up cheer came out in january of last year mm -hmm. yeah i think i remember hearing about it i definitely remember a bunch of fandom people watching oh really but exclaiming exclaiming the same way that it was a fantastic show
2: it's really well done
0: i think i think um many people went into it expecting a good laugh and were Mm -hmm. were turned around and impressed by the athleticism and the dedication and all of that
2: yeah Yeah. And it 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 follows, you know, members of the team who have very compelling stories. I mean, obviously, they're cherry picking the folks on the team to follow, but they really pick some folks who have some really difficult and and interesting backgrounds and are then Mm -hmm. there at this tiny college in Texas to pursue their passion, which is cheerleading. And it's cool. Yeah, they really Um, it's a sympathetic presentation.
0: That's good. The, the other thing I saw when I did a quick, I almost said doodle, when I did a quick <laughs> Google um, was that there is going to be a season two. Oh, cool. Um, but it was postponed because of COVID. Well, yeah, that stands for So reason. it's kind of like, um, gosh, indefinitely on hold. Not infinitely on hold. Indefinitely on hold. Let's oh. hope
2: not infinitely oh. on hold. Yeah.
0: Words are real hard today. <laughs>
2: One of the things that I thought was really interesting that came up is that, um, you know, this is a junior college, so it's two years, right? So you go and you you do this for two years. And and then similarly to gymnastics and some other sports, but primarily gymnastics is what I was thinking of. There's no, there's no like afterward, right? It's not like figure skating where you can go and do exhibition shows for years and years and years. It's not like you can really go and do like intramural in your neighborhood right. afterward. Um, as far as I understand, most competitive collegiate or competitive club cheerleaders don't then go on to become professional cheerleaders because it is a rather different thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, interesting. No collegiate should the collegiate to cause I think of, you it know, seem to be, yeah. seem to be as much of a thing. Um, now, I didn't do serious research on that, so I could be wrong. But but my impression was that those tend to pull more from sort of the high school and, and maybe college dance squads. Gotcha. Um, because it's kind of closer to that yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's a lot of overlap between those anyway. Uh, so So the idea of like, this is your whole life, your whole life, your whole life, and then it comes to a very abrupt end is something that they talk about. And I thought that was worth, I appreciated that they went there and said sort of like, what do you do after this? You can't,
0: you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think, I think a lot of athletes struggle with that.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: but they're frequently, well, the ones that we know about are struggling with it after a long and illustrious career. Right. Exactly. Rather than when they're 21 and they've just graduated college.
2: And there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, like, say you're a Olympic swimmer, like, okay, fine, you retire from Olympic swimming, you can still go jump in the pool,
0: right? Right. Yeah.
2: But, like, cheer is a group activity. That's true. Right? And you can't just, like...
0: Yeah. Well, and, like, I would be comfortable joining, like, a local softball league because, like... Sure. I can hold a bat and I can... I can attempt to run. I can do. I can power walk to the goals. Yeah, to, yeah. to the This goals, is what I do to the yeah. bases, Nancy, bases.
1: Nancy's shown that this is indeed possible. Yes, yeah, yeah. But true.
0: like nobody wants me on their intramural uh, cheerleading squad. I don't. I don't want to be responsible for like tossing yeah, someone that's up in the air doing that kind of acrobatics. A kind
1: of like level of of confidence there that you have to have to yeah um, to start. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I
2: suspect the answer, at least in urban areas, is circus arts, right? Like, yeah. I definitely know there are some people, you know, at my acrobatics gym who did this sort of stuff. Right.
0: That's a good um,
2: point. But those are not common, right? right? Like, I live in a metropolitan area, and so you get that stuff. But, you know, these kids, you know, from Wyoming, from, you know, like, yeah. right? I don't think they've gotten a circus arts gym in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not to slam Wyoming, but like I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. No, and but say probably those aren't small common. town. Yeah, yeah, probably
0: small town Wyoming doesn't have a circus arts gym. That's right. That's probably a safe assumption. <laughs>
2: exactly. And you know
0: what? If you're listening to us from small town Wyoming inside your circus arts practice facility, please Send let us, us know. Yes. the name,
2: and we will give you publicity <laughs> yes. because we will be righteously impressed yes. that that Absolutely. is the case. Yeah, yeah. So, so I thought, yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, my sister-in-law does live in Wyoming. I don't think she listens to the show, but she is there. Um, so, yeah. So it was very good. I, it's another one where I, you guys should watch it. I'd love to hear what you thought of it. I think it was, I thought it was really well done and really interesting.
0: Yeah, it also looks like it won some awards for, like, most bingeable show <laughs> on Netflix. I believe it. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, high bar something that came out in 2020 is yeah. quite impressive. <laughs>
2: I was surprised it took me this long to find it or hear about it, um, but yeah, I only discovered it just recently. It was like, "Oh hell yeah, I'll watch. That. I think it was
1: kind of eclipsed well, by Tiger King
0: I was uh, exact I was going to say that exact in. thing, yep, which it I did cheer. not and will not watch yeah, same no. <laughs> I love true crime stuff, but I don't give a hoot about Joe Tiger or whatever the hell yeah, is yeah, and
1: every now and again, I just pick something, and I'm like, you know what I'm going to." exist outside of the zeitgeist on this one and just not Mm -hmm. not engage
0: yep yep um sorry i had to write that down um (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and switch switch our topics here a little bit to talk about uh fantasy sports yeah okay so so, in trying to figure out like what what angle of fantasy sports I wanted to talk about, I actually came over came across an article um, from MIT um, the, from their their news office about one of their faculty members who was doing research on fantasy sports. That, as someone who works in research administration and is very close to faculty who are doing research. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, just hit me the right way it was it was really interesting so um so uh, I'll take a step back so I I do participate in a fantasy hockey league Mm -hmm. I have now for probably three years Hmm. um I am terrible at it (laughs) (laughs) terrible
2: so go ahead can you step even further back and explain what fantasy sports are
0: yeah sure sure so in this context fantasy hockey um is you you build your own team um by drafting in a specific order so it's not just everybody goes in and grabs a handful of players like you have to wait your turn and then pick your next player um so this is something done in a group you have have like a roster to fill like an online group of people okay
2: And is this, like, a group of people you know, or did you just join one on the internet, or what did you...
0: Um, This one is um, organized by someone I know. So I know some people on the team Mm -hmm. and not others. Okay. Yeah. What was your question, Rachel? I don't know. Okay, never mind.
2: I think it was the same. Yeah, it was... We were asking the same thing. Yeah,
1: essentially, like, how the... the, Yeah, whether it was with a group, yeah. That. Yeah, so I find... I find
0: it fun to play with people I know. Yeah. I would, I would Um, say
1: like, I wouldn't have much interest in doing it just on a random group on the internet. But if somebody I know was, was putting something together for baseball, I might consider being bad at that.
0: (laughs) Um, you can, you can play with strangers. Like you can just go sign up for a fantasy Mm -hmm. league and be assigned to a team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see commercials
1: for that during other sports ball games. So I know that is a thing that exists.
0: Right. Um, and ours is like a $25 buy-in and whoever wins gets all the money. So, you know, it's $25 for fun. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just like paying 25 bucks for an activity. Right. Um, and so, yeah when when your when your fantasy season "quote unquote" opens, there's a draft, mm-hmm. um, and so everybody's on their own computer or their phone, whatever device they want to use, and the the system, like I we use Yahoo Fantasy, the system generates a draft order, mm. and so it goes in order, and you pick your player, and then they come off the board, so nobody else can pick them, okay. and you have to get a certain number of Centers, right wing, left mm-hmm. wing, defensemen, goalies, mm-hmm. etc. And then you get four players to sit on your bench.
2: So these are the, the people, quote unquote, that you are drafting are actual existing players in the That's NHL. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes. So, so this is, I am building a fantasy team of current players available from the entire NHL pool. That's
0: correct, yes. Okay. And the reason you're using existing players playing right now is because the way you win or lose fantasy is by your player's performance. Mm, Okay. So, for example, I should not use my phone for this because I'm using that for recording. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You're welcome, Joe. (laughs) You
2: gotta apologize for having just picked it up and moved it around, (laughs)
0: Joe. I know. Shoot. Sorry, Joe. Um, So, for example, um, I have... Tom Wilson on my fantasy team. He's a right wing player for the Capitals. Mm. Um, Yesterday, wait a minute. That was yesterday. Yesterday they had a game. He had two assists, which means he helped out on two goals scored. He had two penalty minutes, two shots on goal, uh, and one hit. And for each of those items, he earns or loses points.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So yesterday, Tom Wilson was worth 6.9 points for me, which okay. is fine. It's not yeah. spectacular. And the, the
1: software does all this calculation for you, yes? That's, That's correct. good. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. It is not left up to us.
0: And it is. It can be kind of confusing because, like, a goal is worth five points, an assist is worth three, a penalty penalty minutes are worth minus .25 um points. Um, When you win a face-off, it's 0.2 points. When you lose a face-off, it's minus 0.2. So honestly, the way, um, Rachel, you were talking about the scoring in um, this... The Athletes uh, Unlimited Volleyball,
1: yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very similar. It sounds a little
0: bit like it's, you know, it's it's a little bit fantasy-esque.
2: That's really interesting.
0: um, In that there are points assigned to everything that they do on the court or on the ice. Um, so the thing that I always wondered about folks before I started playing fantasy any, anything, um, primarily, I guess I wondered this about fantasy football because that's the one I've heard the most about
1: just mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, and when we look is, it up and it's like 75% of people who play fantasy sports play fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, it's something like yeah.
0: that, yeah. Um, is how do you root for someone who's like your mortal enemy,
1: right? <laughs> right? If
0: I'm, if, if back in the day, like if I'm rooting for the Eagles, which is what I have done all my life, like mm-hmm. how could I have a mm-hmm. a Cowboys player on my fantasy team? Cause then I'm actually hoping right. that they do well. At, right. right. And yeah, no. And this for me is the crux of why I will always be bad at fantasy hockey. <laughs> Because I don't care how good they are. I will never draft Connor McDavid. I will never draft Sidney Crosby. I will never draft Austin Matthews. And like they are three of the best, legitimately, unquestionably, the best players uh-huh. in the league.
1: But, but you I can't do, do, do it. I do not like
0: them, so I cannot have a fair <laughs> my team. <laughs> now, this week is actually uh, week, week six, week five. I'm not sure. And it's the first week that I won. Oh, good job! In this season, in this Uh season, it was very exciting. Yeah, Um, and it's been—it's primarily been because I've been able to step back from our draft week Mm -hmm. when when I had to be like, "Fuck you, Sydney Crosby." (laughs) I mean, I do that on a normal day, but I had to like especially do it then. Uh Um, And and I've been able to like trade players and move them in my lineup and stuff like this. So I've been able to um, like broaden. Mm-hmm. Who I have on my team a little bit more nice um but i but I fully like I, I still do not understand how people can have a person on their team who plays for a team that they despise and root for that person <laughs> i d- di- i just I just don't know how people do it, and it, it's probably like a me like a fandom thing again uh. um but i i can't I can't divorce my feelings for the player.
2: Yeah, no, that's, I don't think that I'd team. be able to either. Yeah, it would like, be tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Though, I mean, I suppose if you liked the player and didn't know anything personally bad about them, you could think, like, this person is fine when divorced from their team and on my team. Like, this person is no longer I mean, a fill-in-the-blank I I Boston anything, or LA team.
0: I don't know anything bad about Connor McDavid. Like, I don't. I don't have anything personally but he does against him. Bad
2: things against your team.
0: I, I mean, kind of. But well, like but... the Caps and the Flyers rarely play the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Abs and, and not the stars at all this year. Them. Yes, and not at all this year. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't actually feel like he's particularly tormented our team. Mm-hmm. I just find him so goddamn boring. <laughs> he's just. Such a nothing human. Like his interviews, there's no personality. It's
1: just. And I can't deal with it. This sounds like it might even be a separate issue.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, so that's that's the that's the like personal impact that I come at this. Yeah. Come at this this game. Uh Um, (laughs) But. What I was finding in this article, this MIT article um, was they were, so this researcher at MIT, Annette Pico-Hosoy, she, at least at the time, was an associate dean of engineering at MIT. She was basically asked by FanDuel um, to do a um, review of... How fantasy sports were structured. Mm. Are they designed such that skill is rewarded, or such that luck is rewarded? Right. Hmm. Um. Now, of course, FanDuel wants the answer to be that skill, skill is rewarded. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yes. Because if if luck is rewarded, then it's considered gambling. Right. Uh, but. I will also say, as somebody who works in research administration and knows how like how grants work, if FanDuel gave grant money to MIT to do this research, I actually have the full confidence in MIT and their researchers sure. that they would have come with a they would have responded in a way that was neutral and
1: unbiased.
0: Sure, right? Because right?
1: their reputation so, as researchers is is exactly On the line, too. exactly
0: yeah and frankly MIT is not going to benefit one way or another from the answer being it's no. skill or it's luck right so um so the the answer is it tends to um incentivize skill and reward skill rather than hmm. luck
2: hmm. interesting
0: yeah. um
2: so divorce yourself from those feelings Rebecca <laughs> oh I
0: know that Oh, I I'm
2: fully aware of that.
0: I'm fully aware, and and actually, I would say, um, you know, if if I were going to fully divorce myself of that, I would hit that auto draft button, oh. and I would not even participate in the draft, and I would let the computer draft for me.
1: Oh, you can do that. That seems like yes. it seems so lame. Yeah, though. I know.
0: Well, like, why? I agree, and and that's most of the time why people don't do it. Like most uh-huh. of the time, you are like everybody in your little team or your league is there Mm -hmm. and you are drafting all at the same time, Mm -hmm. but it's there for people who like can't be there for Mm -hmm. draft. Okay. Sure. Because you only have a minute to Mm -hmm. make your pick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to go on indefinitely waiting for somebody who's not there to pick. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, if you, if you auto draft, you're going to have a really good team because yeah, the computer doesn't have sense. the same biases that Rebecca does. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I would have drafted Connor McDavid right at the top.
0: Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, this year I would have gotten Nate McKinnon, who mm-hmm. I actually would have drafted like anyway. But Yeah, I do. I do. Um, actually, it was it was kind of funny. After the third round of the draft this year, I realized I had drafted – I was basically starting to put together the Colorado Avalanche. I had Gabe Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, and Kale McCarr. That's my uh-huh. problem,
1: is that if I did it for baseball, it would be a combination of Marlins and A's, and that would be it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's fantasy. I mean, so, like, why
0: not? <laughs> and, Rachel, you know what? I totally get it, because I have a lot of – I have flyers on my team, I have caps on my team, I have stars on my team, and I have abs on my team. Like, I've got others in there as well, uh-huh. but – like, this is also part of why I'm prepared to lose all the time. <laughs> what are you I'm saying picking... about your teams, Rebecca? Yeah. No, no, no. It's because I'm picking the players that I like mm-hmm. more than the points that they produce. Right.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it really does require a certain amount of knowledge of teams other than your own. So, like, yeah. I don't think I could do it in hockey, but I could do basketball. Like, that, I know enough other players that it would be a reasonable... Thing. So
0: it, it does and it doesn't. Because when you look at the the players, you get mm-hmm. objective numbers for them. So mm-hmm. like okay. if I'm if I'm going to trade a player,
1: mm-hmm. right, because
0: they're injured or something like that, or because mm-hmm. they're just not performing, mm-hmm. I can I can do a side by side comparison of that player mm-hmm. and another player mm-hmm. and look okay. at who has the better stats. Okay. Um, you know, when picking players, you can sort them by number of goals, time mm-hmm. on ice. Whatever it is,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah, that so, actually might be a way to like learn more about mm-hmm. players on other teams. It could be, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, now the 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 really fun thing that I'm sure is not I know is not actually related at all, but feels related. <laughs> um, and Brittany and I talk about this all the time. All right, who am I going to take off my bench because mm-hmm. I want them to play on my fantasy team this week? And then in real life, am I prepared for them to have a slump week? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or like, um, there was a week where all my defensemen needed to be replaced because they were just not not performing. And so I traded them for two new defensemen. And that week, the two new defensemen I brought in were both injured.
2: No, no. And I'm like... (laughs)
0: <laughs> but you know, then again, maybe this is the reason I should draft Sidney Crosby and Jack <laughs> Michael. <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. There's
0: an argument to be made there, I think. Yeah, yes. except I still can't do it. <laughs> I can't. It, just even thinking about it makes me icky.
2: <laughs> oh, poor Rebecca. Don't um, think about
0: it. And I know for for fantasy hockey, you can um, leading up to the draft, you can make your like your preference list. Mm-hmm. So that if you happen to step away from the computer, um, for and it comes to your draft time, it'll draft the next player that you have on your list. Mm-hmm. What I use more frequently is the "don't pick these players no matter what." <laughs> and I, hilarious. I really think that says something about me <laughs> uh, that that's my priority. I do not want these ten players on my team. Can't no matter bring what.
2: yourself to root for them. No, nope,
0: can't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I I find it fun um, it does give me something you know following four teams of hockey it's not like I'm ever struggling to find a game on <laughs> or a game to care about Um, but it does give me something else to look at when I'm looking at team statistics or when I'm looking at the games mm-hmm. that are being played in a weekend or um, something like that
2: so how many people do you need to form a league could we like make our own little fantasy I mean baseball's coming up could we make our own little fantasy baseball league with I th-
0: like I think you need uh I'd have to look I think you need a minimum of like eight I'm gonna oh, say okay. but it might be I was more. gonna say we
2: could maybe scrounge up five I don't know about <laughs> eight.
0: I could probably get some other people interested I mean yeah. Brittany and Chris watch all sports all the time they probably be in for uh fantasy baseball
2: and we could get Jess in, I think. So see, if you feel so moved yeah. and you want to look into it, it sure. might be
0: fun. Yeah. yeah, it would be fun. And I think you're right, Rachel. I think it's probably a good way to learn a little bit about um, other sports. I mean, at the very least, it's certainly a way to get invested in the other sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? There is fantasy... Everything. Oh, yeah, I'm like sure. In prior years, I've done fantasy cycling for the Tour de France. <laughs> nice. There nice. is fantasy bass fishing. So, like, <laughs> <if> you
1: imagine <laughs> it? It exists. <laughs> have to amazing. tell my dad about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. What they need is some kind of weighted point system that allows people to compete like between sports.
0: Ooh. Mm. Wait, be Joe. Fun. Joe, cut that out. This is our million dollar idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes,
0: we'll just figure out how to crunch all the numbers. Right. So we need a statistician and a programmer. I know I know those.
2: I know okay, a couple of people okay. who are real good at that. We gotta work <laughs> right. on this. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: I mean, if you want to join us, just email us at foulpubpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And then with the
2: proceeds, we'll buy our own sports teams. Yes. Sounds good.
0: Yes. I love it. Great. cool, Perfect. Ready to be a guru. I love it. Um, So that's, that's my update for you on fantasy sports. I suspect we'll get into it a little bit more if we do start our own. It'd be super fun. I think we totally should. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, so now I'm going to turn it over to Rachel for uh, a segment on the Negro Leagues. Well,
1: we actually have a good transition there, uh, talking about statistics, because today I'm going to tell you about seam heads. I'm sorry, what? Seam heads. (laughs) All right, sure. (laughs) Okay, so we talked about the fact that the Negro Leagues, or rather a certain segment of the Negro Leagues, are not... uh, are not considered major leagues or haven't been in the past, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which should eventually result in an integration of the almighty baseball stats into one large database. Mm -hmm. Baseball fans, or at least some of them, are obsessed with numbers and with using those numbers to tell which baseball man is the best baseball man. Mm -hmm. Especially with the recent creation of the wins above replacement stat, or WAR, As a master stat that boils all positions, careers, and eras down to a single number, statistics are an all but inescapable part of the game and have been for a long time. So if you want the numbers on every time a white baseball player spit into the wind on alternate Thursdays, you go to the Macmillan Baseball Encyclopedia. However, you can't do the same for Negro League players, who Macmillan purposefully excluded when putting the book together in 1969. So, where do you go if you want the Negro League stats? Well, until recently, that was a big part of the problem. It's not that the records don't exist, but there hasn't been a large-scale effort to compile them. Enter SEAMHEADS, an organization dedicated to centralizing the records for the Negro Leagues in the same manner as the white major leagues. Here's the description.
0: I'm sorry. Yes. Can you spell it for me? SEAMHEADS?
1: Yeah. S-E-A-M-H-E-A-D-S. So, like the seam of the ball, I guess? Okay, all right. Uh, I didn't actually find an explanation of the name, just a description of what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Seam Heads Negro Leagues database is an in progress statistical encyclopedia covering black professional baseball players, teams, and leagues during the era of segregation. In addition to games between black major league teams, including postseason series and all star games, we also offer statistics for exhibition games between black teams and white major and minor league teams. And as black American players often played in Latin American leagues and black players from Latin America played in Negro leagues in the U S we cover Cuban and Mexico Mexican baseball of the era and plan to cover Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic and Venezuela in the future. Currently we have at least some data for every season in the United States from 1886 through 1948, as well as more than 20 Cuban seasons and it goes on and on. Um, So you can see the sheer amount of data that they're, dealing with here. Um and it goes on to say our database with the exception of the Mexican League statistics is built from the game level up using box scores, newspaper articles and score sheets. That means they do not wow. make use of published year-end statistics or standings. Everything's verified from contemporary accounts of individual games. That's so much work. Yeah. So one of the best sources for seamheads is the wealth of black newspapers from the segregation era. And while it's true that the system for recording Negro League statistics wasn't nearly as robust as those for white leagues, these records do in fact exist. Uh, Gary Ashwell, who's the lead, Ashwell, excuse me, the lead researcher for Seam Heads, said, the biggest myth of them all is that the history of Negro League baseball is nothing but blurry, hard to read, hard to substantiate legends and tall tales. And elsewhere, Ashwell says, the color line in baseball is also probably the most profound case of historical injustice in the history of modern sports and the injustice most definitely includes the failure to properly record both the identities and the achievements of thousands of professional ball players. Mm-hmm. Although less money and less media infrastructure means that Negro League records are sometimes harder to find, they are out there and more are being discovered and input into the database at all time, all the time. And that's why the numbers might never be static for Negro Leaguers the way they are for white leagues. That might be a hard pill to swallow for hardcore stat heads who want to boil past performance down to a single number or set of numbers. However, it's also a good reminder that baseball statistics are some of the most important bullshit this sport has to offer. (laughs) (laughs) In a sport already chock full of bullshit, the certainty that stats seem to offer is indeed manure. But nevertheless, we need to be careful of comparing horse apples to horse oranges? (laughs) <laughs> in other words, every pro-, pro player deserves the same carefully curated and analyzed bullshit.
0: Here, here.
1: Thank that's you for really. That's really
0: interesting. <laughs> I I really like the. Um, who was the the? What's the name of the person that you quoted in there? Gary the Ashwell. Gary Ashwell. Mm-hmm. Um, his his comment about. Um, the the league basically the league's existence players existence and numbers being erased yeah um i feel like that's a very stark example of what many of us are learning right now about black history in general Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it's just been erased by the white people telling history Mm -hmm. yeah um and so i i just i really like the way he he phrased that or that you paraphrased him no that was um, a direct quote uh, from him because i liked it okay. so much
1: yeah the injustice um, most definitely includes the failure to properly record both the identities and the achievements of thousands of professional ball players. yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah i i i like that that's like i, I don't want to be cliche but that's like food for thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thanks for sharing that Rachel. no problem that's, I I really like that you're doing these segments. I find them, I find them very interesting. And I think it's kind of the least we can do to, um, you
1: know, fix some of that erasure. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that someone else is finding them interesting because I'm learning a lot. Yeah.
2: No, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. It, it's certainly not something I would otherwise come across because I don't do any reading about baseball or any research about it. So it's really helpful. Yeah.
1: yeah and it's, yeah. it's also kind of a unique circumstance, I think, because uh, you know, i generalization here and I don't know, you know, if history backs this up, but like the Negro Leagues is one of the most structured sports leagues for African-Americans, you know, in any sport um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm sure most, if not all were historically segregated. And, you know, here in the Negro Leagues, we have this opportunity to to look at this structure mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, to dive into the records here. So I think it's pretty cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for doing that. Um, and thank you all for joining us. Um, I'm going to prompt myself to tell you (laughs) where you can find us on the internet. Uh, you can email us at foulpuckpodcasts at gmail.com and at Instagram at foulpuckpodcast, Twitter at foulpuckpod, and our website is foulpuckpodcast.net. Um, and thank you again to my co-hosts, Rachel
1: and Nancy. Yes, I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing, perhaps particularly in this episode. Here, here. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and I would like to thank Kevin McLeod at com for our music.
2: And I would like to encourage all of our listeners to go and give us a five-star rating on the uh, podcast vehicle of your choice. I noticed we now have, I believe, four five-star ratings on iTunes <gasps> now. Ooh. I know. Oh, I should probably um,
1: rate and review us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, we only have one review, so uh, more reviews would be nice, uh, particularly the nice ones. But the other important piece is if you don't go rate and review, which you should, but if you haven't gotten around to it yet, tell your friends, uh, spread the word, uh, share, share our SoundCloud link or share our website or share our funny little tweets uh, with your friends, because uh, there are more people out there who might enjoy some sports ball. Every
0: night,
1: night. there's at least three other people who (laughs) enjoy this. It's true.
2: It's really true.
1: So find those three people. (laughs) Exactly.
0: This is your quest. (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us. And once again, I'm Rebecca. We're playing chicken here. (laughs) I have been Rachel,
2: and I continue to be Nancy.
0: And we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.